You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Electrician Live, where we talk about all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as you heard in the intro. And on today's topic, we're going to talk about voltage drop. Uh, there's a lot of things about voltage drop that's steeped in mystery um, in the National Electrical Code. Where is it utilized? Where is it referenced? And, and things like that. So ironically enough, voltage drop appears on a lot of exams, uh, whether you're preparing for an exam or um, engineering exams or inspector exams. We hear about voltage drop an awful lot. But in the National Electrical Code, it really only shows up as a mandatory rule when you're dealing with fire pump applications or a sensitive electronic equipment where it makes a distinctive reference to voltage drop requirements. Whereas everywhere else in the National Electrical Code, it kind of makes reference to it as an informational note. And of course, we all know that an informational note is simply good information. It's not a mandatory rule that we can enforce. Um, but when you think about voltage drop, it probably should be. And the international energy codes make reference to a certain value of voltage drop. And we'll talk about that as we look through our, our session today. But I felt it was real important for us to talk about the real aspects of voltage drop because most electricians out there, whether you understand voltage drop, you understand enough to know that you are going to apply the voltage drop application. So it's real important that we, we understand voltage drop, even though the National Electrical Code gives it to us as informational notes, as good guidelines. Uh, it's not a requirement. Whereas, again, fire pumps, sensitive electronic equipment, there is references to voltage drop. So every prudent design of electrical system should take these characteristics into considerations as a condition of use, not just for ambience and not just for number of current current conductors but should take into condition of voltage drop in every application based on the length, okay? And if you understand how to do all those calculations, it actually becomes pretty easy to do. So what we're gonna do today is we're actually gonna do a treat. We're going to look at the 2020 edition of our residential program. And again, if you're not familiar, and I've been getting a lot of emails lately saying, Paul, can you explain all the requirements for uh, a bedroom and all the requirements for a living room and all the requirements for a kitchen and, and all this. Um, we can do that. That's the basic. And I know that there's a, a, a large number of students out there who are just getting into the trade uh, and really need to learn these things. Um, I am definitely going to recommend our residential program if you need to learn more about the residential and you'll kind of see it today. Um, and this is just looking at one unit today. Um, but commercial wiring, if you really want to know the ins and outs of commercial and you really want to get good at it and learn piece by piece from reading blueprints to, to laying it out, then you want to look at our commercial program. And that goes the same for our industrial wiring program. And then to wrap all that around, if you want to learn about grounding and bonding, we have a program on that as well. So you can literally learn everything that you need to know except for the hands-on. That's going to take your time. But other than that, you can see how that you can put code, how you can put actual practical applications all together because our programs also have practical applications that are applied as well. So, all right, so let's kind of look at it. Let's just get into this discussion of, of a voltage drop. All right, so this is again coming from our course material. Uh, and I'll, I'll real quickly move 
a little bit. Okay. So let's kind of look at it. So voltage drop. We know that it's in the code as far as an informational note. We've discussed that. But what are the effects of voltage drop? I mean, for us, why are we concerned about voltage drop? All right. Well, as you see on the screen, and again, this is out of unit four or chapter four in our residential series. It says voltage drop or low voltage can cause lights to dim. <clears throat> so if you've ever wondered why your lights are dimming when somebody turns on a load, it could be a loose neutral. But a lot of times it's, it, it could be due to excessive voltage drop on that branch circuit. Uh, so again, lights could dim. Some television pictures could shrink. It's not getting enough voltage to run it properly. How about motors? If motors are designed to work at a range of efficiency and we don't adequately supply the amount of voltage pressure necessary to run the currents that are listed for that motor, the FLC that we see in, and depending on what you're dealing with, single phase or three phase in 430.248 or 250, then the motor can run a lot hotter than normal, prematurely fail, the windings can fail. But what about heaters? Heaters that are designed for a specific voltage range and to produce a certain amount of rated heat output will be affected by a voltage that gets reduced. Now, mostly me and you are probably familiar with dealing with voltage drop when we think about parking lot lighting or maybe lights at the end of a long driveway and how we're compensating for this. Uh, and so it means that we increase the size of the ungrounded conductors. And of course, while we're not probably going to go into it in too much detail today, we also have to remember that anytime we increase the ungrounded conductors for any reason other than adjustment and corrections, uh, so for example, like voltage drop or because an engineer tells us to, then we're also going to have to increase the equipment grounded conductor proportional to the ratio of the new conductor selected for the ungrounded divided by the current conductor you are going to utilize that can actually handle the real load. And then you'll come up with what's a ratio. And a ratio is what you multiply by the equipment grounded conductor that would be sized originally so that you can increase it proportionally. Kind of not the topic of today's episode, but you do have things you got to do as a result of increasing conductors for voltage drop. And so voltage drop is something that, again, shows up on a lot of exams, but it's not necessarily in the code, but it is in the energy code. And so since the energy code tends to be something that's enforced locally, it's going to force you to understand that and, and maintain that design. It's just that the National Electrical Code doesn't specifically say it. Now, low voltage when it comes to in a home. So low voltage in a home can be caused by wire that is too small for the load being served. Okay, so you did not choose the right size wire for the application. And of course, that's when we explain things like uh, derating demystified, which incidentally the term derating doesn't appear in the code. It's either adjustment or corrections. And so... In effect, we're actually derating the conductor's current carrying ability by the conditions of use. But if your conductor is too small, kind of like choking it down, then that can cause a problem and, and voltage drop can be an issue because of conductors being too small. And of course, the resulting effect on that is the lack of adequate voltage at whatever you're trying to supply. And it causes it to, to operate outside of its efficiency range and has other problems. Uh, a lot of people tell me that they don't feel that voltage drop is a safety concern, and that's why it didn't make it in the NEC. 
Um, well, look, it's in there for fire pumps because of making sure that that motor stays running. Okay, we're not trying to save the building. We're trying to get people out of buildings. So if you think it's important for the, vi uh, the viability of that motor, think of it as other motors in a dwelling or other appliances in a dwelling. If they're not operating efficiently at the voltage that's necessary on their nameplate, then they could overheat and they could cause a fire. So there are real inherent safety concerns with voltage drop. And of course, me and you as electricians, we're just taking that into account anyway all the time. I mean, we're like, okay, we know that's a successive, excessive run, so we want to do voltage drop. And there's tons of voltage drop calculators out there. Yeah. There's a real good one at EncoreWire.com, and you go to the resources, and you'll see one that I helped create with Encore. It's a really good voltage drop calculator and a conductor sizing calculator. So check that out on EncoreWire.com. But there's a lot of other ones you can get for your phone, apps, things like that. Uh, the next is the circuit is too long, and that's probably the more common application is that it's just too long. Uh, if you're doing loads like to hydromassage bathtub where it has an actual blower motor, and that's on the other side of the house from where the panel might be located, are you taking into account that length of run and the specific value of the full load current that gets calculated for that motor? Are you taking all those things into account with your sizing? Not just the fact that you're picking a conductor that can actually handle the current necessary, um, but are you taking into account how far it is away? Those type of things that pretty much we take for granted every day. Um, next is uh, poor connections at the termination. So I can have uh, voltage drop applications as a result of literally not following torquing requirements in 110.14D. Um, and it could have an effect on just not terminating properly uh, in your application. That can, that can play an issue, okay, in voltage drop. And that can result in low voltage, which, again, is uh, detrimental to the operation of certain appliances and equipment and motors and things like that. Your lighting dims, things like that, okay? Um, especially if you're designed in a way that you're pulling other loads in the dwelling and again, you have low voltage already on that brand circuit, and now you're, you're turning on other appliances that are pulling out demand, then it can be uh, exaggerated and where you see the lights dim and things like that. Of course, it could be loose terminations as well, but you kind of get the picture where we're going for this. Uh, next one you'll see, it says conductors operating at high temperatures, having high resistance than when operated at lower temperatures. So again, Utilizing the application in a run where it's going to be subject to higher ambient temperatures can affect the actual and add to voltage drop. Okay, so a lot of things to think about when it comes to voltage drop, but I think me and you think about voltage drop as simply going from point A to point B. Okay, and that's what we, 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 we kind of focus on. Now, let's go on a little further. It says, a simple formula for calculating voltage drop on single-phase systems considered, um, considered only the DC resistance of the conductors and the temperature of the conductors. And, of course, it says, see Table 8, Chapter 9. And now, Table 8, Chapter 9 is going to give us the DC resistance values uh, in the National Electrical Code. Right? So that's why it's referencing that. Uh, and then, of course, it says, in the NEC, and again, that is for the DC resistance values, and the more accurate formulas consider AC resistance, reactants, and temperatures uh, and spacing in metal conduit and non-metallic conduits. And that's held in Chapter 9, 
table nine. It's most people don't know to go looking at. But that is a table. And typically, uh, in the smaller conductors, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference in your calculation. Uh, but again, it's there, and that deals more with AC resistance, okay? Uh, or what we like to refer to as an impedance value. All right, so you've got all that type of scenario in it. And again, we cover uh, voltage drop in this episode, but we also cover it extensively in the commercial edition as well of our program, okay? So when we think about voltage drop, and we'll kind of just go over it here, you see some formulas here. Now this is the most basic formula you get uh, when you're dealing with voltage drop, okay? So the voltage drop, E being voltage symbol, D being voltage dropped, uh, is K times I times L times two, single phase, okay, two, divided by CMA, which is the circular mills, okay, of the conductor in question. All right, so this is a pretty basic value formula that you would get. Now, we kind of work this out a little bit so uh, we can see. Now, let me go back real quick so we can kind of talk about this. So, uh, and you'll see in a little a bit in a minute, K. What is K? So K constant is typically going to be 12.9 for copper and 21.2 for aluminum. Okay, now we can show you the math to actually convert that yourself, but typically that's the K values that are constant that you're going to use. Now I is the amps, L is the length, and again, one way length, not up and back, just one way, because that two is going to take into account up and back. So don't worry about it. And of course, you have the CM circular mills, CMA is going to something you're going to find in chapter nine, table eight for any given conductor. That's where you would go if you need to get the circular mills. So let's kind of look at what we're talking about. Again, I kind of ex explained it here a little bit. So here's your uh, K times I times L times two. And as you can see, ED is the voltage drop and that's the resulting voltage drop. And that's gonna be the actual volts, okay? So we always wanna use the volts. So some people wanna put 3% in there or some people wanna put 5% in there. And really what we want is the actual volts that's dropped. So for example, if it's uh, 120, we do that times, uh, the value times 3%. And that is 3.6 volts. So you want to plug in the actual volts, okay? Not the percentage. You got to do a little math to get you your value. But again, pretty simple. You plug it in there. So in this case, um, if I know what a circular mill was for a conductor, the, CM, the CMA, and I'm going to go to, uh, it's a cross-sectional area of a conductor, which again, chapter nine, table eight, gives you the full list. Of course, once you get up to 250 KC mill and larger, that is your value. So 250 KC mil is 250,000 circular mil. But once you start getting below that, okay, you get four aught, three aught, two aught, one aught, one, and you start one, a two, a three, a four, a six, or whatever. Then you have to go to chapter nine, table eight in order to get that circular mil value, okay? But that's where you go. It's pretty simple for you to, to migrate that way. So when you look at the K, again, it is the approximate resistance in ohms uh, is, is one way to do this. Or again, you can use 12.9 for copper or 21.2 for aluminum. Now, interesting is I could actually pull this K value uh, and, and do a lot of math, or it's just more simple to either take 12.9 or 21.2, depending on what you're dealing with, okay? 
Uh, the I is the current and ampere flowing through the conductor. So whatever the amp is of the load, uh, you're going to plug that in here. And of course, L is the length uh, in feet from the beginning of the circuit to the load. Okay, so it's this distance. It's not the conductors, if you will, going up and coming back. Okay, that's going to be take. That's fine. Okay, it's it's going there, getting there. That's the key, key critical component is getting from A to B. That length. So that's what you're going to cover with the length. Okay. Now, as you wanted to know about that too, again, it says for use the factor of two for single phase because there is voltage drop in both conductors at two and from the connected load. So again, it's already taken into account. Okay. Now, if it was sing a three phase, slightly different, we're going to use 1.732, which is a square root of uh, three for three phase. Okay. You simply plug it in. Pretty much the same concept. Right. Uh, and we'll kind of go over that go over that now. So although residential wiring does not commonly use three phase systems, commercial and industrial systems do. Um, so very rare if you were to get a residential with a three phase component. Um, but either way, since we're talking residential, let's just talk voltage drop in general. To make a voltage drop on conductor sizing calculations for a three phase system, you just simply substitute 1.732, like I said for the two. It's pretty much uh, that easy to, to, to do it, okay? So let's give an examples here. So branch circuits. So we're in 210, and you're gonna notice that, remember I said earlier that there's areas where it makes reference to the voltage drop but doesn't require it, uh, but it is very prudent in your design, and most people will give it a consideration. And again, it's all over electrical exams, so you, you gotta know how to do it. So in this case, we're dealing with branch circuits, so we're in 210.19a. And it says an informational note. Now, I will remind you that 210.19a is, is a lot of information. It's telling you about taking loads at 125% for continuous, 100% for non-continuous, and, and a lot of information for branch circuits. Uh, but the informational note will say, hey, I recommend the maximum voltage drop is 3%. And we'll kind of look at this. So it's 3% on the branch. It's 5% overall, okay? So in this case right here, we have a branch circuit. The maximum recommended voltage drop is 3%. And that's where we got it from the informational note. So in this case right here, it's a 120 volts. And what are we getting here at the load when we take that measurement? We see a drop. We see a drop from 120 down to 116.4. Now we're going to hope that, that, a, that a piece of equipment or whatever that load is, that this voltage still can operate in that parameter of voltage. But when you see how we came up with that, it's an example we did earlier, I simply took 120 volts, okay? And 3% of that is 3.6. And of course, easiest way to do that is simply 120 times 3% is 3.6 is 3 volts. Now you also do the same, whether it's 240 volt and because if it was 240 volt uh, uh, application, then it would be 240 times 3% and that'd be 7.2. Okay, volts. So that's what you would plug in for that application or when it, when it comes up with a reference to ED. Okay, so in this case, 120 volts, you take away that 3.6 because that is the 3%. So I would have 116.4 volts as my voltage drop. Okay. All right, so again, this is kind of giving us an idea of, okay, this is a 120 volt circuit. 
Um, what do we want to have the maximum voltage drop be or recommended? It's not more than 3%. So a 3% voltage drop on 120 is 116.4. Is that adequate to handle the load? Now, I will remind you that feeders has the same informational note, says the, the exact same thing. The recommended voltage drop is 3% for a feeder. Okay, so 3% for a feeder, 3% for a branch. If you have a feeder and a branch, overall, it's not to be recommended more than a 5%. So it could be a three on the feeder, two on the branch, three on the branch, two on the feeder. Overall, we don't want to exceed, okay, overall 5% of a voltage drop, okay? Now, as you see here, as I scroll down a little more, you see the informational note number three, and this applies again, for 210.19a and, of course, informational note for 215.2a1b. It says, of the code states that the voltage drop from the beginning of a feeder to the farthest outlet on the brand circuit does not exceed 5%. So it's kind of what I was talking about. Uh, and it will pro provide reasonable efficiency of operation. Uh, in this figure, if the voltage drop in the feeder is 3%, then do not exceed 2% voltage drop on the branch. Kind of, kind of what I just kind of told you. Uh, so I kind of jumped the gun. But here's how you kind of see how it works out. So here's your, your main service disconnect, okay? And then it fits a sub panel or remote distribution panel. Uh, we're measuring here, we have 120. And again, through here all the way to the end. And this is your load. So we're measuring at the end. So take into account the feeder and taking into account the branch circuit that we don't want to exceed the recommended 5%. So uh, it's no different than what we've done before. In this case, and again, in this case, since we're starting out, we're just going to use the measurement because the load at the end is a 120 volt load. So yes, it's 240 at the beginning, but the load at the end is utilizing a 120. So that's what we want to stick with because that's how we're kind of basing the calculation. So in our case is 120 times 5%, and that is six, six volts. So I take the 120 minus six, and that is 114. So we just have to make sure that the load that's operating at the end can operate efficiently, effectively at 114 volts. So that's how we do it. And you could adjust accordingly. But again, the length of the feeder and the length of the brand circuit is really going to dictate this, this voltage drop. It takes place. Okay. So that's kind of what we want to see. So if we take a measurement at the end, we would expect to see... If we're trying to stay within the percentages, we can't be below 114. Now, if we start going longer, if we start using conductors and we don't think about the sizes and we take that measurement and it comes in at 111 or 110, then obviously it's below 5% overall. Now, we can take a uh, calculation and try to determine what just the branch circuit voltage drop is and come up with that as well. Okay. But these are just so many things that you have to take into consideration as an electrician. And it's not easy. Uh, and again, understanding it, I wish that voltage drop was actually in the NEC as far as a mandatory requirement, because it's to me, it's, it's real important that we, we understand how all of this works and, and why it can be impactful. Okay. So again, let's look at a little bit more. When both the brand circuit and the feeder are involved, the total voltage drop should not exceed. Uh, it's recommended not to exceed 5%, okay? Now, there's nothing in NEC that dictates what the incoming voltage to the home must be. Um, it's going to fluctuate. 
Usually the utilities are pretty consistent, but it could fluctuate. Um, the incoming voltage is really determined by the electric utility and the size, the type, the length of the service conductors that are coming in, how close the transformer is, uh, how much voltage we have on the primary lines that's carrying over to the secondary on a transformer at the pole or a pad mount. All of these things are really important, but generally the public utility has kind of made a statement that usually there's a state rule that they maintain a plus or minus or an over or under voltage. Generally, this is about 5% up to 10%, depending on the jurisdiction uh, and the utility in that jurisdiction as they set the rules, okay? This is not something that's done by your local AHJs. This is done by the power company that is gracious enough for us paying our monthly bills to provide the power for us to utilize in our homes. So there usually will be a value that's over under given a certain percentage. Now, 5% is probably industry norms, but again, some, some might have to allow it all the way up to as much as 10% over and under. Uh, but typically, I usually see something around the nature of about 5% over or under, okay? So again, as long as you take that initial reading to be able to, benefit, you know, to, be able to do it from that, uh, then you can apply all these rules for this formulas, okay? But you have to get a starting out voltage. Usually at the service equipment is where you're going to get your start voltage again, okay? And again, it's going to affect voltage downstream, and you have to take that for consideration. Higher the voltage, probably the further you can go without the, without the same issue. Lower the voltage at the start, you got to take a lot of this stuff into extreme consideration in your design. Most of us probably don't think about all that anyway. We just get it, we wire it. Now, how many times in a residence have you ever really done a voltage drop um, calculation? Probably not a whole lot. All right, so let's look at an example here. What is the approximate voltage drop on a 120 volt single phase circuit consisting of 14 AWG copper conductors? If the load is 11 amperes and the distance of the circuit from the panel board to the actual load is 85 feet. Okay, well, we gotta do some math here. Got a little, little bit of conversion. So we've got our formula and we can then plug it in. So let's take our formula. So what are we trying to find out? We're trying to find what is the voltage drop. That's what the question's asking us, the ED. What is our voltage drop, our physical volts drop? So K times I times L times two divided by the CMA. Well, we know it's 14 gauge. So they've given us that. Okay, we know that it's 11 amps. They've given us that, okay? Uh, we know that it's 85 feet. They've given us that. So they've given us all the pertinent information we need to solve this. If you're on an exam, then feel lucky that they've given you this, all this information. So the first thing that we need to do is find the circular mill of the things that we don't know or the question, part of the question we don't know. And the 14 gauge, we don't know. So we're gonna go to chapter nine, table eight, and then you're gonna go down the left side of the column, you're gonna see what the circular mill is for 14 gauge. In this case, it's 4,110. That is your circular mills. So if we plug it into our formula, 12.9, cause we're dealing with copper, times 11, that was our amps, that's the I. L was 85 feet, and the two, because it's single phase, divided by the circular mills. In this case, was a 14 gauge, okay? So that's, what we've done, and so when you do all this, it comes to 5.87 volts drop. So it's 12.9 times 11 times 85 times two divided by 400, 
4,110. And I'll go on and do it for simplicity to make sure our math is all right. 12.9 times 11 times 85 times 2 equals 24,123 divided by 4110, which is the circular mills. And that is 5.869. Of course, we're going to round to 5.87. And that's our voltage drop. Okay, so that is the number of volts that's actually dropped from point A to point B. You with me? Okay. So this is kind of a snapshot of what the table looks like. Uh, I mean, of circular mills. If you go to chapter nine, table eight, you kind of you'll see that it'll have next to it all the circular mills that you needed. Okay. Now, this exceeds the voltage drop per the code. Right? Because remember what we did earlier? We knew that 3.6 was 3%. And in our case, it was 5.87 in our math. So that 14 is no bueno. It's not going to work for us. So in this case right here, let's try the next size. Let's go up to a 12 gauge. And while we're there in the code, we saw that a 12 is 6,530. Again, chapter 9, table 8, where you're going to get that cross-sectional area of circular mills. And so let's do that and do the same calculation. So we did 12.9, and you can see it on the screen, times 11, times 85, times 2, 24,121, divided by 6530, equals 3.69. Now, since the voltage drop is 3.69 volts, you will want to examine the voltage drop of the feeder, if one exists. Why? Because... While we have 3.69 here, we need to know what's left in the circuit because this is, just the, this is just the brand circuit. If we have a feeder, because we know we can't exceed more than five overall, right? So we're going to want to examine it because this might result in the fact that we need to jump up one more and jump up to a 10. Now, just for since we're here, and let's, let's do that real quick. So we know a 10 is 10,380. So let's do 12.9 times 11 times 85 times 2, again, 24,123, divided by, and a 10 gauge is 10,380. That is 2.32. So in itself, that brand circuit, if we were sticking to the recommendation of not more than 3% and we weren't concerning ourselves with the feeder, which you kind of do, but if we're just dealing with the brand circuit or my question on, a say, an electrical exam was dealing with the brand circuit only, then that 3.69 is not good enough because it exceeds 3%, I'm going to jump up to a 10, and that's 2.32. Perfectly acceptable, right? It's under 3%. So just all kinds of things that we have to take into consideration. And let's kind of look at this a little deeper, okay? So let's look at this just a, a slightly deeper um, when we're dealing with a 240-volt circuit, maybe for air conditioning. All right, so let's look at it this way. So let's see, find the wire size needed to keep the voltage drop to not more than 3% on a single phase 240 volt air conditioning circuit. Now again, this is going to be a branch circuit. Uh, a lot of people want to immediately jump to this being a feeder, but it's a branch circuit, okay, that's feeding it. Um, so in this case, and more often than not. So the nameplate reads minimum circuit ampacity of 40 amperes, okay. The circuit originates in the main panel board located approximately 65 feet away, okay, from the air conditioning unit. No neutral conductor uh, is required. It's 240, uh, and so there is no neutrals at all. 
Uh, usually just a, a black and a white if you're running non-metallic sheet cable, black and white and equipment ground. You can re-identify the white because it's, it's in a cable. Uh, or you just run uh, MC, maybe it's a black and a red, whatnot. But typically it's probably going to be non-metallic sheet cable if we're talking residential. And yes, you are allowed to re-identify the white insulated conductor as an ungrounded conductor uh, in Article 200 of the National Electrical Code. All right, so in this case right here, let's kind of look for the solution. So we have the formula. We already know that we're dealing with uh, the values. So we need to find what circular mills that we need to do. Okay, we need to figure that out. Okay, so let's kind of kind of do this. So we have the formula circular mill equals K times I times L times two. And then ED is the voltage drop. We know we're trying to say to 3%. Now, remember what we did earlier? This one's 240. So we want to do 240 times 3%. And that is 7.2 volts. So that is our ED. That's our volts dropped. Okay. So we want to keep that the actual voltage drops. Okay. So let's plug these things away and, and it's kind of work through the same formula. Nothing overly complicated. So 12.9, again, copper, if it was aluminum, it, it would be 21.2. So it's 12.9 times 40 because a 40 amp circuit. Okay. Because that's what the nameplate said, minimum circuit ampacity. It'll say on the nameplate of the air conditioning unit, It'll say minimum circuit ampacity, maximum overcurrent protection, okay? For another episode, people get very confused with that, but we're, we just know that we're pulling it from the nameplate for our example. All right, so we did what we just talked about. I got the 7.2, so we get it. So plug it in. 12.9 has 40 times 65 times 2 divided by 7.2, okay? And so let's kind of do that. We're going to do it. Even though it's on the screen, I want to do it so that we can kind of uh, all follow along with this together, and I'll get your formula there in case you're working it out with me, which you should do. You should work all these with me. Uh, 12 point practice makes perfect times 40. So let me do 12.9 times 40 times 65 times 2 equals 67,080. That's what they've got. So we're checking our math. And I'm going to divide that in 7.2 because that's what the formula says. And that gives me 9. 1,316.6, which we're going to round to 9,317 circular mills. Okay, remember what we said earlier? Now that we have a circular mill value, we can now go to chapter 9, table 8, and we can find the conductor that would be adequate for that. So when we refer it, we'll find that a 10 gauge, uh, which you remember earlier, we jumped all the way up to 10,380 for a 10. So obviously that's greater than 9,317. So we're going to be at a 10. So we find that a 10 gauge to be the smallest copper conductor that will result in a 3% or lower voltage drop for this circuit. However, however, to comply with the minimum circuit ampacity, install not smaller than an eight copper conductor. Obviously, the larger of the two conductors must be installed. Why is this? Well, because we did a calculation based on what we need for voltage drop, we still can't get around the requirement for the minimum circuit ampacity to be 40 amperes. So again, 10 gauge can, and we're not gonna talk about small conductor rules, but if you go to 31015B16, or in the 2020 code, 31016, that you're gonna see we have some ampacity. So I'll do it here so that we won't take you away from the screen. Uh, if you have your code book, you can go look at it. As you can see, I have mine with me. And I look for this under the 75 degree column. And I'm going to look, and we're just going to 
assume under the 75 that everything's rated, insulation rated, uh, uh, 90 degrees C, so I can utilize that in 110.14C for conductors. You with me? Okay. So if I go down and look at it, it looks like a 10 is only good for 35. And so you'd have to go to an 8, which is good for 50, which can handle the 40. Now, incidentally, if based on this question, if I know nothing other than this question, because this question hasn't told me anything about terminals, this hasn't told me anything about anything. So if I was using non-metallic sheet cable, uh, 334.80 is going to kick me into the 60-degree column anyway. So even under the 60-degree column, an 8 is only good for, it's good for 40 amps. So a 10, uh, a 10 would only be good for 30. But I have to have a minimum circuit ampacity of 40. So that would put me in an 8. Okay. So either way, an 8 is what I'm going to need based on the rules of the code. Is an 8 larger than a 10? Absolutely. Does that mean it's going to handle the voltage drop? Well, 10 was good enough for the voltage drop. But in this case, I have to meet the requirements of the code for the minimum circuit ampacity based on 1103B of the manufacturer, which is all this is derived from the values in a calculation within 440, which is heating and air conditioning uh, uh, article. So that's how we get there. So the 10 was perfectly fine for the voltage drop, but I still have to follow the rules of the code. Okay, so you see how that works? Okay, we got to remember voltage drop can be achieved, but we still have to follow the rules. There's rules in the code that we have to adhere to. So an eight is obviously going to result in a lower voltage drop than what the 10 would be, even though 10 came up as being acceptable, right? Okay, so that takes us into when using higher temperature conductors for voltage drop and any other application. Okay, and we're going to kind of talk about this a little bit, not a whole lot. But you note that 310.16, if you're in the 2020 code, says that conductors insulation falls into three classes. Okay, there's a 60, 75, and a 90 degrees C. For a given conductor size, you'll find that the ampacity of the 90 degree insulation conductor is greater when it comes to ampacities than what you would get in the 60. So it goes from 60 to 75 to 90, and of course the ampacities get higher as you go up. Okay, but you have to be very careful in selecting the conductor in their ampacities, uh, even if you're going to do adjustment and corrections. For example, if you look on the screen here, you'll notice that a 8-gauge THHN at 90 degrees C has an ampacity of 80, uh, 55 amps. That's at 90. Typically, the only time that I could use that 90-degree value is for adjustment and correction, uh, correction purposes. And if you haven't watched my video on derating demystified, go watch that video. Um, stay around to the end and I, maybe I'll link you to it. But that is a really good video that kind of covers all the ins and outs of adjustment and corrections and ampacity values and what changes on a conductor depending on the conditions of use. And it's really critical for you to know that, okay? But what we're going to talk about here is just kind of giving you the 30,000 foot view here. So notice that it says THHN, that is 90 degree rated insulation for a dry location, not a wet a dry location, uh, but the eight at a THW only has one H, so that's 75 degrees C. Notice that the ampacity is only 50 amperes. Same size conductor, same amount of copper, okay? Same circular mills. It's because the insulation is more volatile, okay? And it only has an allowable, and excuse me, I want to get rid of that. We no longer use the term allowable anymore in the 2020 code. It is simply the ampacity. 
I had to caught myself there. So ampacity for this THW is 50 amperes. Now, if I use a TW rated insulation, notice that there's no H at all. So it's TW is a thermoplastic and the W is for wet location. And it's rated at 60. Notice how its ampacity is only 40 amperes. All the same conductor size. Depending on the insulation that you use, you get different ampacity values. Now, don't get confused with that 90 degree for the THHN. Even though the insulation is rated 90, we can use that 90 ampacity in the ampacity tables of 31015B16 if you're in the 17 code, or the 2020 code is 31016. I can use that higher value, but only for adjustment and corrections, unless I'm using it on terminals or in an application where everything, all the terminals and all the equipment is rated for 90. Then I could use that higher ampacity. But more often than not, it's not. And you're going to have to be limited to whatever falls under the terminal limitations of 110.14c. Speaking of which, we might have learned, and if you were in our residential program, you will remember that we walked you through. That's the beauty of the program. We walked you through this in 110.14c, and we explained all the aspects of the 60-degree column if you're dealing at 100 amps or less. Um, and over 100 amps, you use 75 degree. But we also explained how under the 60 degree, under the allowance in uh, 110.14c, uh, that if you had insulation that was higher rated and marked as such, and all the equipment was marked, let's say 75. So even if the conductors were 14 gauge, 12 gauge, 10 gauge, 8 gauge, uh, 6 gauge, I could still use it at its 75 degree, even though it falls under 100 amps because everything is marked for a higher temperature rating, then it's okay, all right? So again, just a lot to digest, I get it. And uh, we'll be doing other videos. Um, I'm getting more and more people telling me they want these basic stuff. So we're gonna go over it in detail. All right, so where we learned earlier, where you might've learned earlier if you were in this program, we use a 63 column, 31016 for circuits rated 100 amperes or less, and the 75 degree column for those that are over 100 amperes. However, this is what I was alluding to. When the equipment is marked as being suitable for 75C, uh, we can take advantage of the higher ampacity of a 75 degree C conductor. And that's what we do most all of the time. There's not a lot of uses. I mean, they're still out there, I guess, but there's not a lot of uses anymore where it's not THHN, THWN-2 or XHHW-2 for normal wiring. So again, you're able to take advantage of that. Just be careful. Because non-metallic sheet cable, for example, forces you into the 60-degree C column, okay? Still can use a 90 for adjustment and corrections, but you're going to have to make sure that you are not, after those adjustment and corrections, you have enough ampacity to handle the load, and you're not exceeding the value of the 60-degree column, okay? Go watch my D-rating demystified if that was like, shoo, over your head, okay? All right, so let's see... Uh, Let's see here. Now, one thing to keep in mind is voltage drop again is going to be affected by smaller conductors. So keep that in mind, always playing into the rules uh, of understanding because you might have to do raceway fill and your conductors get smaller and they might be able to handle the load, but they're too small because they didn't take into account voltage drop. Again, voltage drop's a recommendation. It's not a requirement. Now, the energy code requirement, but how many inspectors actually go in and calculate anything out? They pretty much take the electrician's 
word for it. If you ask them, say, did you take voltage drop into consideration in this dwelling? Yes, Mr. Inspector, I did. Okay, and we move on. Nobody has the time, especially inspectors, to be able to calculate all that out. You just don't have the time. So again, I would prefer for it to be a requirement, but most people do it anyway, so that's why we're talking about it. Okay, so make sure you size the conductor for the load and then make sure you take voltage drop into consideration. Even though it's not a code requirement, it's just good, prudent thing to do. Okay, uh, what are some advantages of using a higher temperature conductor? Like, in, like using the 90 degree insulation, for example. Well, obviously if it's 90 degrees C, that it can handle, and I guess 90 degrees C is also 194 degrees Fahrenheit, that it can actually ha uh, deal with higher temperatures. Like if I'm running it through attics, things like that. In raceways that have what's called an annular space in the raceway, and I put it through an attic, which has the heat of the attic, and then of course inside the raceway, we have what's called mutual contribution, and that's from all those other conductors that heat is being dissipated from that get out and fill up that annular space. Well, you got to account for all that stuff. So the beauty of having the higher rated insulation is because when you do apply those adjustment corrections, you get to start from the higher ampacity. Okay, and so that's a that's a and a, a real benefit of it there. Okay, um, let's see here. Other than effects, I'm kind of looking, yeah, I'm not going to get into any more of the non-metallic. That was just kind of some examples. Um, the whole point of this episode was to uh, remind you about how voltage drop can play a key role. And it's important for me to tell you that I'm doing a special voltage drop calculation program uh, on one of our weekly episodes. That's right. So you've heard me talk about Electrician Live all the time, uh, which is every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. But what you might not be aware of is that during the week, and most of the time it's on Wednesday evenings, I go over all types of topics from, from voltage drop to uh, optional standard calculations to uh, just about anything that people need to prepare for an exam. But it's not just for those preparing for an exam. It's a great opportunity for you to come in, ask code questions, and brush up on your code knowledge. Because it's not just code. These are practical things that you're going to be doing in the field that you need to understand voltage drop and things like that. So calculations, okay? You're not guessing at it anymore. We're not doing rule of thumbs. We're literally learning how to do all these calculations. So that's the benefit. So I... The, the program that comes every Saturday evening, Electrician Live, is, is a great program to talk about all things electrical industry overall. But during the week, you can actually deep dive into a lot of technical topics. And I do that every week and they're free. So where do you find out about that? You go to youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. And that's where you're gonna go to see all of our videos, all of our podcasts get reposted over there. Um, there's so much content. If you just want to listen to our podcast, you can go to electricianlive.com and the podcasts are all there. Um, there's just so many ways to listen to them. So hopefully you got something out of it. I got something out of it. And uh, join us for an episode during the week when we're going to go deep dive 
into voltage drop. And there's a couple other types of formulas that we can utilize. How to determine the circular mill, which we kind of did. How to determine the voltage drop. Um, how to determine the maximum length. All those things can be calculated out. Okay, so we're going to cover all of that during an episode during the week. So go search for it. If you're watching this episode at a later date, you'll be able to find it. But I want to thank y'all for joining me here on this episode of Electrician Live, where we kind of just touched on things like voltage drop. But if you want to do a deep dive, jump on over to our youtube.com forward slash master the NEC channel. And there you're going to find a more in deep, in depth, in deep, in depth study session on voltage drop. Till next time, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy.